You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Shotgun back to Aiden O'Connell, throws the slant, caught by Myers, spins out of a tackle, touchdown Raiders. Quick throw to Jacoby Myers, who spun out of there and got in the end zone. And for Aiden O'Connell, he has his first career passing touchdown late in the fourth quarter here in Chicago. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. You heard the one and only right there. The one and only touchdown that was that was had by the Silver and Black on Sunday as they lost to the Bears. 30 to 12, dropping their overall record to three and four. And Jacoby Myers was the recipient of the Aiden O'Connell touchdown pass by uh, Jason Horowitz. You heard voicing it right there as he's the he's the soundtrack. He's the voice of the Silver and Black. This is unnecessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q. Of course, it's being brought to you each and every day by the Jewels of Las Vegas. My folks, Mordecai and company, do a fantastic job making sure you're fitted up with what you need as far as jewelry goes. We'll tell you a lot more about them later on in the show, but we've got a lot to get to on today's show. I mean, when I say we've got a lot, as we are turning the page from what happened in Chicago to what's going to happen on Monday in Detroit, we got a lot of guests to get to, and of course we'll have plenty of feedback and plenty of time uh, to hear from you. Don'tBeBroke.com, text on 69187, keyword r I was thinking earlier today, uh, just because I'm used to the normal week, I'm thinking that, okay, we're going to go talk to head coach Josh McDaniels today and then realize that, wait, hold on, the game's not till Monday, so everything is pushed back a day. So uh, everything will start getting ramped up like a normal week, but really starting tomorrow. So Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we'll have normal media availability, normal uh, locker room action. So what that means for me in this show means that on Saturday, I'll have an opportunity to uh, talk to Coach McDaniels before before they practice, and then uh, also with the media session that we'll have a little locker room action as well. We should have, I believe, on Saturday as well, Saturday afternoon, so we'll be able to bring that to you on Monday. And really, and I'll I'll remind you throughout the course of the week and, and leading into Monday, just want to give you a heads up that this show will come to you live on Monday from 12 to 3 from the Oyo, as we do each and every Monday. Usually we have Monday Night Football, but since the Raiders game is actually Monday Night Football, JT and Eric Allen will be doing the pregame show starting at 3 o'clock. So instead of having JT do you know a 12 to 2 o'clock show and then I go 2 to 3 and then give it right back to JT, I just go ahead and do the heavy lifting from 12 to 3, and he'll do the heavy lifting from 3 all the way up to kickoff uh, when he passes sticks on to Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy. So that's how it worked a couple uh, Mondays ago when the Packers were in town. Well, this is the same thing, but the Raiders are on the road in Detroit. So again, I'll remind you a few, few times uh, before then, but just a heads up that uh, this show will start at noon on Monday, leading into Monday Night Football. will be 12 to 3, probably 3.15 actually, and then pass the sticks on to JT the Brick and Eric Allen. They'll be uh, live from HQ, the Raiders headquarters, as they take you all the way up to kickoff. So that's one piece of business that I want to take care of. Also, Buffalo Wild Wings. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings each and every Friday. It's funny, we, we bookend the week. Mondays, we're at the Oyo, and on Fridays, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings. The only difference is that the Buffalo Wild Wings is always a different location where the Oyo is the Oyo. The Underground Lounge is always the same spot. Newly renovated, too, and if you haven't had a chance to stop by and check it out, you need to because it looks really, really nice. So that's on Mondays, but on Friday, we'll be at the Buffalo Wild Wings right around the corner from the radio station, as a matter of fact, off of Flamingo and Wallapai. So uh, if if you go by and hang out, uh, come get hooked up with a bunch of different prizes. But I'll remind you, people ask me all the time, well, Q, what Buffalo Wild Wings are you at this week? I'm like, I don't know. 
I, I really don't. I, uh, I know, but I don't know. I know I'm at one location. I just don't know where it is. Half the time, I don't know what day it is. I'm trying to get caught up on what day it is each and every day. It seems like it's so hectic and fun and so fast-paced. So a lot of times, I don't know if I'm coming or going, but I do know what we're doing between the hours of uh, 2 and 5 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So on Friday, we'll be at the Buffalo Wild Wings on Flamingo and Wallapai. So if you're coming to town, come check us out. If you're already in town, make sure that you come by. And check us out. Now, getting into the guests that we have coming up on the show. As I said, we're locked and loaded. We've got a lot of guests to get to. Starting at 2.30, we'll uh, check in with the Silver and Black with Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Uh, see what he had to see on the game on Sunday in Chicago. And, of course, look forward to the Lions as well. Uh, what he thinks that this team needs to do. How they could rebound. Uh, they have an extra day to prepare. You know, and I saw a little soundbite from the Bears tied in. It was on our good friend Ari Mayroff, uh, uh, my sports update uh, on Twitter, the 33rdteam.com. It was on his Twitter account, and uh, they, they were talking to uh, the tight end for the Chicago Bears, Cole Clement, and he was saying that the Raiders look sluggish. He said that they just looked like they were gassed all game long. And it's funny, when I heard him say that, I don't think that that's him throwing shade at all. I think that that's the reality of it because that's something we've talked about all week long, that it felt like one of those games where the Raiders just didn't have the energy. Uh, they were sluggish. It was like one of those typical 10 a.m. kickoff, 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoffs that uh, the Raiders have had in previous years. And so when I saw that and heard that, I thought, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds just about what we kind of thought. But uh, Vic Tabor's been covering the, uh, the Raiders for uh, a long time, so we'll get his thoughts on what he saw and if he kind of got that 10 a.m. Pacific time feeling as well. And like I said, how the Silver and Black can, uh, can, re can, uh, can rebound moving forward as they have a tough task in front of them going up against the Detroit Lions on Monday night football. As a matter of fact, we have that sound about the Raiders and them sounding or looking sluggish on the field. So uh, Ari's doing a fantastic job in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. He, he's got it uh, handy for us. Go ahead and play that, Ari. Yeah, they are probably seemed like they were a little jet-lagged, not going to lie. Really? <laughs> I'm serious. Like the, the team we saw on tape was not the team that we played. I remember, I remember Cooley came on silent and like, they're tired, they're tired. I was like, damn. Bro, they, they were gassed. Like, really? We would, you could tell, like, we would run the ball a couple times, and, like, if we got that first first down and then the next play, if we got, like, a good six-yard chunk play, like, on a run, like, they were they were done. Like, they were deflated, yeah. So. so there you go. There's the Bears tied in just talking about the, the Raiders and them looking gassed and jet-lagged even. And uh, so maybe there was some of that to it, and, and maybe that was a one-off opportunity and uh, situation for the Silver and Black. But then again, they're going back to the East Coast. So, uh, you know, they're going to Detroit for this Monday night football game. So how could they adjust? How could they adapt and not come out and look sluggish and gas? Because if they look sluggish and gas against that team on Monday night, it could be a long day at the office for the silver and black. But I thought that that was kind of uh, almost uh, – confirming what we already believed or what I thought that I was witnessing as I was sitting on my couch watching that game thinking, yeah, something just doesn't seem right. And, and to hear Cole Komet say that you know, the team that we saw on film was not the team that we played on Sunday, that's actually a little bit of a compliment to the Raiders. Like, hey, I know that that's not exactly who, who they are. The team that we saw on film, the team we prepared for, is not the team that showed up to play us in Soldier Field. So, I mean, it's no moral victories. It's no like, oh, yay, they know that that's not us, but you still got to go out there and handle your business. But I feel like that they recognize that the Raiders were not their normal self on Sunday. So Vic Taver will join us at 2.30, talk all things silver and black. At 3 o'clock, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He'll join the show uh, to talk all things trade deadlines. We're getting closer and closer and closer. And I saw a report, and I know we've talked about it here on the show before, but I saw a report like just about everybody on Denver is available. Like everybody. And this is from Albert Breer. So, you know, Albert Breer's got some skins in, in the game, and he, he knows what he's talking about, and he's talking to the right people. But 
like everybody. And to me, that's just wild. If you're Sean Payton and you're trying to rebuild the Denver Broncos, like I get it. You want to get draft capital, and it always sounds good. Like we talk about it on the show all the time. It sounds good to have more at-bats, but if you don't get a hit when you're at-bat, what does it really matter, right? So they're talking about Pat Sertan. They're talking about Justice Simmons. They're talking about Josie Jewell. They're talking about Cortland Sutton. They're talking about Jerry Judy. I mean, there's multiple Garrett Bowles. Like, there's like six or seven guys that they're talking about are available, and I'm like, well, who the hell are you going to have left on the roster? You start trading uh, all those cats away, and obviously none of, not all of them would be on the way, and if they you know, send someone like a Pat Sertan, you're going to get a lot of draft capital in return, but still. As we know, Raider Nation, just because you get the capital don't mean that you're going to do something good with it, right? I mean, I think that that's very evident that just because you get it don't mean that you're going to have a bunch of home runs. You could have all the first-round picks you want, but if you're not picking the right player, it does not matter. So uh, I would would caution Sean Payton to be a little careful if he's putting all those type of players out there uh, for trade. But then again, he didn't bring those guys in, so he could easily walk away and say, those aren't my guys. Uh, so I'm going to do it my way. As we know, that's what coaches do. They want to bring in their guys. So Brad Spielberger will join us at 3 o'clock to talk all things trade deadline and what he's hearing as we get closer and closer, six days away. Uh, you know, so that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. You know, there's some that feel like it's going to be a slow trade deadline. There's others that think it's going to be pretty fast and furious. We'll see where Brad lies coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.30, our good friend Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network. She'll join us to just scatter shoot all things NFL. How about Brock Purdy? in the concussion protocol right now. How about Sam Darnold? Looks like he's going to get to start this week against the Bengals. Niners are on a two-game losing streak. Could it make it three? Everything that everyone said was the Niners are the best team in football. The only thing that can slow them down is what? Injuries. Now what are they dealing with the last couple games they played? Injuries. And now their quarterback. And it's funny. It's funny how the narrative changes. And I, I do everything I can in my ability not to change the narrative like this. I was watching NFL Live earlier today as I was preparing for the show, uh, right when this news broke about Brock Purdy. And Dan Orlovsky, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, is, on, is on the show, and he's talking about Brock Purdy and the 49ers, and he says, I have no concerns about the 49ers. Uh, if, if Brock Purdy is out due to concussion, that's okay. Sam Darnold could come in and fill the void. Uh, it's about Kyle Shanahan. And so where I understand where he's coming from, At the same time, all I've been hearing is Brock Purdy is the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP of the league. So wait a minute. If it's all about Kyle Shanahan, how the hell is that guy the leader in the clubhouse for the MVP if it ain't really about him? If he's replaceable by Sam Darnold, who's a first-round pick reject, you know, I mean, to be honest, I mean, he he was not a first-round pick. Like, he was was a first-round pick, but after it's all said and done, shouldn't be. Like, they put him in the box and, and, and rejected him. Like, nope, nope, nope. You're out of here, right? They put him in the other box, right? No, 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 that's not who we're looking for. He's been all around the league. So if it's all of a sudden could be replaceable just that easy, is that guy really the MVP? Should he really be the MVP? I don't think so. But, again, that's me. So we'll talk to Cynthia Freeland about that storyline, which is looking to be a big one. 49ers could also drop three in a row, and then everyone's going to say, what in the hell's going on with them if they're not already saying that? But uh, every other storyline going on in the NFL as well, who she feels like the best team in the league is, AFC and NFC, and uh, just what we're looking at heading into week th- uh, eight as uh, it gets underway tomorrow night. So Cynthia Freeland joins us at 3.30. At 4 o'clock, the NBA is back. That's right. We saw the Lakers in action last night. They lost to the Denver Nuggets on banner-raising night. So Trevor Lane, our good friend from LakersNation.com, he'll join the show to talk all things Lakers. LeBron James, 20 years in the league, still going. 
He's on a minute restriction, so we'll ask him about that. And Anthony Davis, you want to talk about a guy that's been catching hell all day long. That dude scores 17 points in the game. Now, if you just read the box score and saw, oh, 17 points, that's not bad. It was the first day of the, uh, of the season. That's not bad. Problem is he scored 17 points in the first half and didn't score anything in the second half and only had one rebound in the second half. So what in the world's going on with him? So we'll ask Trevor about Anthony Davis. We'll ask about LeBron James in his 20th year, the new pieces that they have, like Torian Prince, who had a really nice game for the uh, Lakers. Shout-out to Torian Prince, uh, former Baylor Bear, Baylor Bear alum. So uh, <laughs> funny, I interviewed Torian Prince, we, me, and, uh, me and my co-host at the time at ESPN Central Texas with Craig Smoke, and our job was to go over to the, to the uh, facility an interview, like, one of the starting point guards for Baylor. Like, it was supposed to be – I forget who it was at that time. Maybe Pierre Jackson or someone like that, like a big-time name. So we were pretty amped up to go over there and do this interview. And we get there, and they're like, yeah, this guy's not ready, but we got Torian for you. And Torian, no joke, was coming off the bench. He may have, like, played three or four minutes a game. Like, he really wasn't worth the salt. And we're like, Torian Prince? So Craig looked at me and said, are we going to do this interview or are we going to, you know, say no? I was like, man, we're already here. We might as well just do it. So we did it, right? I guess I learned from the Rihanna interview. So we did it, and it came out really good. And no joke, throughout the course of that year, all of a sudden this dude started getting more playing time, more playing time. He was coming off the bench. He was still not a starter, but he was coming off the bench, and he was putting in some good minutes, and he was playing at a high level. And I thought, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. The guy that we interviewed is actually cool. We didn't know nothing about him. We just really – we just kind of – basketball knowledge up that interview like we were we it's not like we had a bunch of specifics like you're supposed to have I mean because we didn't have any idea we were going to interview him then all of a sudden he turns into a lottery pick in the draft like wait a minute how this guy that wasn't worth the salt when we first met him all of a sudden worked his way up to being a star off the bench then all of a sudden became a star that was starting and then ended up turning into a lottery pick so it's like you know, I always, I always was happy about that one. That was the one interview that we actually did that was a good one. Again, I didn't mess it off like we did the Rihanna, or I did the Rihanna interview, and uh, it turned out to be pretty good. But Torian Prince, I think, is a hell of a little player playing with the Lakers and had a nice night as his uh, debut with uh, the purple and gold. So Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com, will join us at 4 o'clock to talk about the Lakers, who did take an L, but look, game one of 82 don't hit the panic button. Talking to you, Mom. Mom's a big-time Laker fan, so I don't want her to get panicked. You know, it's only one of 82. My Warriors lost two. I know Sir Whiskey Ray was at the game with his son, so he had. I'm sure he had a hell of a night. That was fun, man. The Warriors and the Suns. That's it, man. The West is going to be fun again. And, oh, by the way, Wimby time, baby. Wimbenyama's in uh, action tonight against the Dallas Mavericks. Excited about that. And we'll talk about Wimbenyama and his performance with the San Antonio Spurs on tomorrow's show. Please believe that. Uh, Glover Quinn, former Lions safety. He's also part of the Believe Podcast Network, Believe in the Lions. He'll join us at 4.30 to get our first little taste test of the Detroit Lions as the Raiders will take them on on Monday Night Football. So uh, we'll have a former Lions safety, Glover Quinn. He'll join the show at 4.30 to talk about the Lions trying to bounce back from that loss to the Ravens, and that was a bad loss. The good thing about their bad loss is it was to a good team, right? The Raiders' bad loss was to a bad team. So there's a difference. There's definitely a difference between the two losses, but both teams coming off a loss, and the Lions are going to go into their bye week following this game. So there's nothing more than they'd want to do than in their home, in that dome, in that loud building on Monday Night Football so everyone can see them get right and have them a hell of a game and then go into the, the bye week feeling good about themselves. So 
Glover Quinn, former Lions safety, believe in the Lions podcast uh, host. He'll join the show at 430. So as you can tell, as I mentioned, we are locked and loaded. Man, we are uh, packed to the gills, right? Keep your head on a swivel. Do what you got to do. Or like my like my old boss, David Smoke, used to say, dip your head in a tank of gasoline and light it on fire. It's full throttle. Let's go. <laughs> That's what we're doing on today's show. Vic Tafer at 2.30, Brad Spielberger at 3, Cynthia Freeland at 3.30, Trevor Lane at 4, and Glover Quinn, former Lions, Lions safety, closes things out at 4.30. Of course, we'll hear from you in the meantime, in between time, on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And if we get some time, we'll sprinkle in a call or two here or there at 702-365-9200. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. All right, so here we go, jumping into the opening drive, and it's kind of short and simple as far as the question and the topic that I throw out there to you today. Uh, I think that we all know that the performance that the Raiders put on wax on film on Sunday against the Bears was not acceptable. I don't think it was acceptable by their uh, expectations. I know it wasn't acceptable by the coaches' expectations. And I know the fan base sure didn't accept what they saw on, uh, on Sunday against Chicago. So what would you like to see from the Raiders on Monday Night Football? Like, what are your expectations? They have an extra day to prepare. They have an extra day to not only lick their wounds, but get back to the drawing board, get back to fixing the issues, as Patrick Graham told us yesterday when we talked to him. Right, We're preparing for this already. We know what the Lions are going to want to do, and it's our job to make sure that we don't do it or we don't let them do it. So, okay, they've got this extra day to prepare. Right, They've got to find a way to get off the plane and not be sluggish like we heard Cole Komet talk about. They look sluggish. They look gassed. They can't go in there with that mindset. Obviously, they'll get ran out of Ford, uh, the Ford Stadium. Just can't do that. So what would you like to see from the Raiders on Monday Night Football? What are you looking for? Moving forward, again, the th- team is only 3-4 and four on the season, 10 games left to go, guaranteed, including the game coming up on Monday against the Detroit Lions. And I'd like to start things off, and I will go ahead and, and do just that. And, I mean, I want to see, see what 98's name is, Max. I want to see maximum effort from everybody, not, not just Crosby. And I know he's going to bring maximum effort, but I want to see maximum effort from everybody. I want to see attention to detail from everybody. I want to see Marcus Peters get down and try to tackle someone. And I know that that's not his thing. I, I do. I realize that that's not his strong suit. I get it. He's, he's got a contract. He's out there to, to have ball production, to get after the ball and go the other way with it. I get it. He hasn't done that yet. But still, that, that's what his number one job is, right? And, and that's fine. But I just want to see the maximum effort. I want to see Marcus Epps shake off a bad game and come back strong. You know, Amik Robertson, the same thing, right? He didn't have the best game, but we've seen him have some really good games. So I, I want to see this defense, really. And that's really I'm really focusing on first. And there's a couple areas of this that I'm looking for. But I'm really focusing on the defense first because, again, I spent weeks on top of weeks saying right now this defense is the strength of the team. Anyone that we've talked to on the show, if it's Lincoln Kennedy, if it was Amber Theo Harris, if it was Adam Hill, if it was Vic Tafer, it doesn't matter. Vinny Bonsignor, whatever person it is, has all agreed with me that, yeah, the defense has been the strength of the team. I want to see that again. I want to see them get back to being the strength of the team. I want to see them having a little bit of swagger about themselves. I want to see Max put his arms out like the damn Condor again, right? I mean, he got to the quarterback once on Sunday, which is cool because Max is going to do that. But I want to see him when he gets into that mode in that zone, right? He talked about in the locker room the other, the other day where he was playing at such a high level. It was following the, the Patriots game. He was playing at such a high level that – you know, he's, he, he was in a zone where, where it's almost like when you're out on the hoop court and you're in the zone and you can't miss, 
the bucket looks like the, the ocean. I wanted him to get back into that zone where it doesn't matter. And, look, the Lions have some pretty good tackles. Panay Sewell, you may have heard of him, pretty good. Right? He didn't have a good game against the Ravens, but the Ravens have a pretty damn good pass rush. Guess what? Max is a pretty damn good pass rusher. Right? So I want to I, I see this team again led by the defense. And one of the reasons I want to see this team again led by the defense is because I don't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence in the offense. And that's a shame. But that's, that's the situation. And I don't know who's going to be behind center. I don't know if it's going to be Jimmy. I don't know if it's going to be Aiden O'Connell. I'll tell you what I do know. I'll tell you one thing I do know about that quarterback position. If it ain't Jimmy, you ain't going to hear this guy say Brian Hoyer's name. <laughs> you, you ain't going to hear me suggest that. Not again. We ain't going to go through that song and dance again. If Jimmy can't go on, on, uh, on Monday, you will not hear me say, yeah, let's go on go have him run out Brian Hoyer. No, sir. You're not going to get me. I'm not falling for that banana in the tailpipe again, right? Uh-uh. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I am not going down that road. We are not having that. Uh-uh. If you want to call in and say you want to see Brian Hoyer, cool. You're on that island by yourself, Jack. <laughs> I may, and that's a very iffy may, throw you a life preserver. <laughs> Maybe. I might just get greedy and keep it for myself just in case, right? I'm just saying. So if it ain't Jimmy on Monday, then it best be number four, right? It best be Aiden O'Connell in my opinion, <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. And I know someone's like, yeah, cute, thanks. Welcome to the party. Look, sometimes I show up fashionably late. It's cool. No problem, right? The fashionably late guy has always been the cool guy. <laughs> Guess I wasn't cool that week, but that's all right. It happens. So that's why I'm leaning on the defense. So I really want to see the defense be the strength of that team again. I want to see them go out there and make some plays. You know, like they told us a couple weeks in a row when they were sealing the deal at home at Allegiant, one against the Packers, one against the Patriots. We knew it's on us. So we got to go make a play. I want them to go in there with that mentality. Hey, guys, it's going to be a long day at the office. It's on us to make some plays. Let's go do it. The Lions are going to be, you know, chomping at the bits to get out there. Same thing I said to Patrick Graham. You know, they're going to be ready to rock and roll. I want to see the Raiders ready to rock and roll as well. That's really where I'll leave it at. I want to see this team led by the defense. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. 702-365-9200. Mitch from New Jersey. What's on your mind, Mitch? Welcome to the show. How's it going, Q? Good, good, good. Hello, Russ and Kristen. Uh, you know, it's nice weather, but uh, the AC's blowing a hot air, so you go figure. Yeah, I got you. Um, hey, Purdy, if he has another game or two, I want to see him put in Sam Donald. And I think he's got some talent there, better coaching. Even though I, I say uh, Kyle uh, Shanahan lost that Super Bowl, but not running up ball, especially going against the, the best quarterback. And um, I say the best team... Well, and I wanted to say, you told me the Lakers, how about the Clippers? I mean, this, this they have to win. They're an out team. They drafted a Jordan or Colby. I hope that helps. And they, they, and they should have moved to Vegas. Not Get out of the shadow of the Lakers, if you ask me. But anyway, I'm hoping they have a good year. Them and the Kings. You know, I like the underdogs. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. <laughs> All right, there he goes, Mitch. Hitting us with some NBA stuff. I like it. Nah, the Clippers can stay in L.A. And I'm not going to throw shade at the Clippers because every time I do, man, someone hits me up. It's like, man, why are you dogging the Clippers? Uh, I think Vegas much rather have their own team. And it looks like the Vegas and, and Seattle are going to get expansion teams. I think that that's better for, for this market is just, is just to get 
an expansion team like the Golden Knights, you know, like the Aces, even though the Aces moved, but still, uh, you know, just they, they want to get their own home team. That's what uh, that's what they should do. So when the NBA comes here, it should be uh, an expansion team. I'm good with that. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to Hardcore Raider. What's on your mind, my man? Thank you. Uh, just want to answer a question, and then I want to ask you a question, if I may. Okay. Um, all right. So for me, like the number one thing I want to see is about leadership, and you know, I want to see how this team responds, and you know, if this coach possibly has lost the locker room. Okay. I know there's a lot of rumors about it, but like that's my number one thing. I want to see uh, what kind of fight this team comes out with, and then how they react, whether we win or lose. I do think. We're probably going to lose, unfortunately, because I haven't seen anything that uh, kind of proves otherwise, you know. Yeah. Uh, but my, my main question I want to ask you, and, and I'll be honest, I'll be transparent. I've been on the fence about this coach. I'm ready to move on. I don't want this call to really be about that. Um, but I do want to ask you a question about leadership. So, uh, I, like, I, I grew up old school, um, you know, and you, I'm assuming you probably did too, where, you know, like if you didn't do your job or, you know, if you weren't, uh, you know, completing the task at hand, you were going to get uh, kind of like a foot in your tail, or uh, you would no longer essentially be uh, in that position that you were doing, you know, but that yep. old school method, uh, you know, like doesn't exactly work with the modern society, you know? So, you know, I dedicated 10 years of management because of some bad leadership throughout my years. And it took a long time for me to master or uh, at least be better at it. So my question to you, I guess, is like, what's the fine line to like of accountability and understanding like like whoever whatever team environment you're in to understand like the people's skills and, and uh, weaknesses, strengths and weaknesses, and then as well as understanding not everybody's your quarterback, meaning not everybody can be your go-to guy that will go above and beyond or do everything. But that doesn't mean that they're not good at what they do. And at what point do you critique them to improve, but still? show them the positive stuff they do to build that morale. Because, like, you know, in a leadership role, if you just point out people's negatives, it kills the morale and it kills their drive to want to fight uh, harder for you, work harder with you and for you and all that. So, you know, I know you have a lot of years of uh, leadership and experience, so I'm just curious, like, uh, your experience, what you feel is that fine line of accountability, essentially, and, you know, holding people to the grindstone versus maybe you adjusting as a leader to get the best out of your team. I appreciate it. Hey, good call. Good call. That's a great question. And everyone's not at good at that, right? And I'll be the first to admit that it's it's hard for me to do at times because you're right. I know I know one speed, I know one one method, right? I mean, really, and, and that's how I've always been been led and, and managed and you know, it's always been, you know, hey, you're supposed to do your job. You're supposed to. Like I shouldn't have to praise you for doing your job because that's what you're supposed to do. And if you're not, then I need to let you know that you're not doing it and you're supposed to step it up and you know, I, you're right. You can't talk to everybody the same way and you can't lead everyone the same way because everyone's not the same person. And it's such a fine line. And it's so difficult to try to figure out. And some people, unfortunately, you do have to tell them about the good things that they did, even though it's the things that they're supposed to do anyway. And believe me, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. It really does. I'm the guy that you could come and tell me, hey, you're messing up and you need to stop messing up and you need to do it this way, that way, the other and follow directions and I'll do it. I'll get it, but everyone's not me. Everyone doesn't like to be led like that, you know, and sometimes you have to teach, you know, treat people with kid gloves, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I think that we're all grown. Like, we shouldn't have to do that, but at the same time, that's how it is. So the thing is, when it comes to, like, coaching and leadership like you're talking about, that's, that's the job is to be able to figure guys out, and so what I've learned over the years is having to kind of sit back and observe for a while and, and learn who everyone is and learn how they learn and learn how they – operate and you know some people you could talk to and they'll just shut down well that doesn't do any good for anybody 
right? So certain certain people you have to just kind of adapt to, and it's difficult. It's difficult for me to do. So I'm sure that it's difficult for coaches to do when they're dealing with millionaires. I can only imagine how how difficult I may be if I was a millionaire. <laughs> I'm broken. I'm difficult. <laughs> so I can only imagine if I was a millionaire being, uh, you know, being uh, uh, the guy that they're trying to manage as well. So, yeah, man, it's a fine line. It really is. And that's why they get paid the big bucks is to make it, you know, to, to, to read the room and understand the different personalities and the different way that people react to things and criticisms and how you can criticize, how you can coach, how you can lead. It's, it's, I think it's a, different, it's a different scenario for pretty much everybody, but it's difficult, man. It is not easy, that is for sure. 2.27 is the time. Thanks for the call. Vic Tafer from The Athletic. He'll join us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padala. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. He should ask to be traded. His Hall of Fame career is being wasted right now. Devontae Adams is a Hall of Famer. He is being wasted in Las Vegas right now. Three guys that have had as many touchdowns as him by the age of 30. Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, and Randy Moss. And right now, this is a bad football team. Right now, there's no known future of who's going to be playing quarterback there. And given how great of a talent he is, I don't want to see that player in person wasting away in a place where we don't get to see him in the biggest moment. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. ESPN's Dan Orlowski right there. He's made a couple appearances on the show today, right? I referenced them earlier in the show, and then Ari, you pulled the sound from what he had to say about Devontae Adams, and of course there's a lot of conversations because the trade deadline is right around the corner. As a matter of fact, Tuesday, Halloween is the trade deadline. Join us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is our good friend Vic Tafer. And Vic, thanks so much for your time. I do appreciate you. And my man, you were in Chicago. You saw with that performance that the Raiders put out there at Soldier Field. Uh, I heard earlier today that uh, one of the tight ends from the Bears said that they look sluggish, they look jet-lagged. Uh, was that the same impression that you got when you saw the game on Sunday? Yeah, I don't know if they were jet-lagged, but definitely they weren't, uh, weren't ready to play. Definitely different, uh, different energies mixed with the two teams. The Bears thought they had a chance to kind of, you know, beat someone for a change, and the Raiders should have had a similar approach, and coming off two wins, maybe kind of keep this thing rolling. I uh, didn't quite have it, either uh, both sides of the ball. We all know the offensive problems, but the defense also seemed a step slow and not really tackling uh, very well. You've been covering the Raiders for a long time. I've been watching the Raiders and, and rooting for the team for a long time. It felt like, as I was on the couch watching the game, it felt like that old typical 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff, which shouldn't be an excuse anymore, but that's what it felt like as I was watching it. Did you get that same sense? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I guess it's, uh, excuses are good because it actually makes some sense, and that makes some sense. But it was a beautiful day. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't cold. It was a lovely day in Chicago, I think, um, yeah, there's no excuse really for that kind of performance. I think you know, obviously they have a backup quarterback in Brian Hoyer, so you kind of lower the bar a little bit, but not that much. The Bears are not a very good team, and the Bears kind of did whatever they wanted to do on both sides of the ball. 
Yeah, they really did, and it's so funny. I thought that Brian Hoyer was the right decision going into the game. After the game, I was like, okay, my bad. I was clearly wrong. What, why do you think that he was targeting the, the receivers like he was? And I was following along with what you had to say on Twitter. It's like, another target to Devontae, another target to Devontae. Oh, now it's Jacoby's turn. Now it's Jacoby's turn to the point where you're like, stop targeting the same guy. Why, why, was, the, why was the ball being distributed like that? My only guess is like in his head, I don't know exactly what Josh McDaniels was telling him on the sidelines, but my guess is that he's really focused on not turning the ball over. So he's trying to make sure it's the, it's the right read, the one that everybody wants, and maybe the more dependable read, like which is either Devontae Adams for that first quarter, and uh, Jacoby had like seven of ten passes thrown at him in the second quarter. So I think he's looking for the reliable, safe out, which, again, this offense, it's not going to work. We, we've seen it the first year. No matter who the quarterback is, if it's um, Jimmy or – uh, O'Connell or Hoyer, they got to take some shots down the field because the other team is going to stack the line of scrimmage against the run, and the short passes aren't going to work. You're not going to score enough points doing it that way. So they got to take more chances regardless of who the quarterback is. Well, speaking of who the quarterback is, I'm believing Jimmy G is going to start on Monday, but we don't know that. If if Jimmy G for some reason can't go, is it got to be the Aiden O'Connell show moving forward? I guess. I mean, I think um, – I'm not sure. Like uh, it was that quote uh, last week that Josh McDaniels asked about. Actually, after the game, we asked about O'Connell and why he didn't use him. It's not the preseason. Right. Yeah, that, that speaks volumes as far as their confidence in him. I'm, I, he obviously showed some things in the preseason, but it's a big leap from that to the real games. I mean, he definitely looked a little shook that first game against the Chargers. He had you know holding the ball a lot. He got sacked. It's just a two fumble. So I think they decided that the veteran guy was the way to go. And I would guess it, he was so bad this past week that they have to go the other way. But I think Jimmy's back, so I think it won't be a won't be a topic for discussion this week. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling as well is that Jimmy's back and all reports seem like that they expect him to be back. But until they say so, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, well, let's just kind of wait and see. Again, Vic Taver from The Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So we've talked before uh, about the trade deadline, and, and you had mentioned you don't think that the Raiders do anything. Do you think that that loss to Chicago changes anything where they may look to be sellers as opposed to potential buyers? I don't. I think because uh, I'm not really sure what he can get. I mean, in terms of you know the dollar on the market right now, like Devontae Adams is a hot topic, obviously. But I don't see contender giving you a lot of stuff for him at this point. He's going to cost you a lot to draft picks if you're a top team. I just can't imagine that a team will pay that price right now. Otherwise, not really much to offer. I mean, nobody's going to take you know Josh Jacobs off their hands and Max Crosby's untouchable. I think Hunter Renfro I mean, might be a nice piece, but you know, they gave him a big contract. He's not playing. I'm sure teams are wondering what the hell's going on with that. So that's not really um, an automatic guy teams are going to trade for either. So I think it's going to be tough. And they're also still like, like in a limbo land. They're not really sure if they're buyers or sellers. And so why not just stand pat? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this trade deadline shakes out for the league, not necessarily the Raiders, but definitely the rest of the league. And we talked earlier this week with Coach McDaniels. We talked yesterday with Coach Lombardi talking about the run game, and they both said that they feel like it's closer. It's closer. You know, a four-yard run could have been a 15-yard run, just one missed block here or there. Are you seeing the, the run game start to develop a little bit more, or is it still kind, kind of a no-man's land? Yeah, I will say it does look a little better in terms of watching the pieces move the last few weeks. I don't know if I believe they're close to a breakthrough because I do think, as we talked about, defenses are going to stack the box. And, I mean, it doesn't matter how well you block. If you're going against eight, nine-man fronts, that's tough to do. And Josh is yeah. getting the ball, getting hit right away. So until they start hurting teams down the field and kind of soften the safety coverage, it's going to be hard, even if you are doing a better job with your protections, your lines, your line schemes, and, and Josh hitting the holes, it's going to be tough to break through or, I guess those kind of defenses. Now, I realize that the Raiders had a backup quarterback and Brian Hoyer out there for the majority of the game on Sunday, but it felt like to me watching it 
that there was times where Michael Mayer could have been really effective in the passing game, and they just the ball didn't go his direction for one reason or the other. Does he look like he's developing more and more, even though he didn't get that much action or get any kind of action really on Sunday? Yeah, you know, definitely can see his confidence. Definitely, I think he, he himself has said the first few weeks he's kind of feeling his way, kind of getting used to it. I think even his blocking has gotten better with, with his confidence growth. So I think you see him. He's a physical guy. He can get off the line of scrimmage. And he's got a little better moves. He's not a fast guy. He's, you know, he's almost so sad, almost slow. But he's got some moves. He's got a little wiggle for a guy who played basketball growing up. He's a big-time hoops player in Kentucky. So I think you see those, those those moves after the catch. So definitely, I think, a guy who has some potential. It looks like a good draft pick going forward. What about Tyree Wilson? He picked up his first sack, even though it was on the last play of the half. It was kind of a wonky play, but he did, in the books, got his first sack. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, uh, I was uh, Nathan Peterman did like a sprint for the sideline, and he turned the wrong way and tried to unquote. It was, it was pretty ugly. It was a Christmas present early for uh, Tyree, so that's nice for his confidence. Uh, I know uh, people cite this PFF stuff and how he's coming, getting better, but um, I don't know. I, I think, to, to me, the jury's still out. But, uh, yeah, for him, it's great for his confidence. Maybe he can take that and, and keep rising up a notch. Are you seeing him, like, improve even in just kind of run defense? Or is it, like you said, I mean, I know you said the jury's still out, but are you still kind of like, yeah, I'll wait and see until I see some more? Yeah, I think you've gotten better. I think, I mean, I'll say this. I'm trying to be, I don't want to kill the guys. He's a rookie, you know, he's trying hard. But I'll say the first few games, it was glaring how bad he was. And now it's not so glaring, if that makes sense. I think yeah. he's definitely gotten a little better. And I think you'll notice him in terms of getting, you know, getting killed by a lineman or getting uh, blocked out of the play. So I think he is. I'm not sure he's an impact guy or shown that he can be that, but he's definitely gotten better since the first few weeks. Vic Tafer is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So looking forward to Monday. They have an extra day to prepare. What kind of Raiders, especially defense, do you expect to see on, on Monday there in Detroit? Well, you hope they'd be upset. I mean, I think they'll all see the you know, reaction on social media. From, you know, they want to watch the telecast, the tape, to have a – Tackling efforts were kind of made fun of, and Marcus Spears especially kind of getting trashed around this week. So I hope they're upset and hope they kind of want to prove something because, you know, talent-wise, it's not really there for that defense. So they have to come, you know, full effort, full anger, and kind of that's how they did the first two, two wins. So they got to they got to go back to that because they can't perform at less than that level talent-wise. They have to be uh, angry and, and really playing together to have any kind of chance to, to win a game. You know, you mentioned Marcus Peters, and he has been the you know the subject of conversation all week long. You know, with that that tackling effort or lack of tackling effort, whatever you want to call it, and then he got trucked by Deontay Foreman. Do you expect to see some a different style or a different approach from him? Do you expect to see more effort from him? Yeah, I mean, I, he's never been a tackler, so I, I mean, I, I mean, never. I think when he was younger, he probably may try a little harder, but now he's older. I don't know if that's uh, highest list of priorities, but. I'm sure it's been a message from the coaches, like, hey, man, that, that can't happen. And that one play where, you know, the third and one play where he kind of did the Ole thing, uh, that, that can't happen. On a team of guys who are younger and impressionable, trying to learn from me, he's supposed to be a veteran guy, showing guys with the ropes and all that stuff and how to have swagger and, and make plays. So I think it'll be better this week. I'm sure it's just a, you know, an ugly moment and an ugly week. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's open to a tackling dynamo, though. It's not going to happen. But uh, definitely, hope, you know, like you said, an improved effort uh, this week. Right, should definitely show a little bit more. And, and like you said, the young guys are looking up to him, so he's got to put some kind of example out there. All right, well, Vic, we'll close out with this. What is the message to the team? If you're Coach McDaniels in that locker room trying to keep those guys all together and positive, what is the message this week? Please don't get embarrassed on national TV Monday night because <laughs> the owner's kind of getting after me a little bit. It's getting bad. Fans are on me. So let's play hard. Let's maybe have a chance to win. But please, please, please don't get blown out because then I might be in trouble. 
Yeah, that's a good message. That's a really good message, and we'll see how the team reacts. I saw that your uh, your partner, Tashawn Reed, put out a piece about the trade deadline. What else are you working on on the athletic that we should be on the lookout for? I'm trying to figure out what they can do. Uh, can, can they make any changes in terms of personnel? Is that even out there? That's what we're looking at uh, the rest of the week. Okay, that'll work. That'll work. Our, our weeks are kind of pushed back a little bit. I was expecting to talk to Coach today and then realize that the, the game is on Monday, so everything is pushed back. So I'll see you at the facility the rest of the week, my man. I definitely appreciate you joining us this afternoon. All right, boss. Take care. All right, my man. There he goes. Vic Tafer from The Athletic right there, breaking it on down. All things silver and black as he was there at uh, Soldier Field. He'll be there at Ford Field coming uh, Monday as the Raiders are on uh, Monday Night Football. And he said, please don't embarrass me out there. Please don't embarrass yourselves out there on Monday Night Football on national TV. And, you know, again, I, I, I laugh when he says that, but, I mean, that's a, real, that's a reality as well. Like, you don't want to go out there, and I don't know how many weeks in a row we've talked about it. Don't be the get-right team. Don't be the 2 a.m. call. You know, like, hey, what are you doing? It's 2 in the morning. What are you doing? Don't, don't be that, 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 that phone call, right? Don't be on the other end of that phone call. And so many times uh, after games like what we saw on Sunday against the Bears, someone will hit me up on Twitter and say, guess that's that 2 a.m. call. Guess that's that get right, that slump buster. Everything that you talk about, guess that's what you're talking about right there. And more times than not, I got to say, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. But, uh, again, maximum effort, man. I said it at the top before Vic joined the show. I want to see this defense lead this team again. I really do. I believe that they can, but it's got to be – they can't be sleepwalking. They can't be jet lagged. They can't be any of that that they were on Sunday. They've got to put that squarely behind them and, and look forward and just, again, go out there and put their best foot forward, let Max do the heavy lifting on the defensive line and obviously have some help from the guys in the interior, whoever's across from them, whether that be Tyree Wilson, whether that be Malcolm Coons, whatever the case may be. They've got to harass Jared Goff. Um, you know, and and really just, again, create turnovers, do whatever they got to do, but they've got to make it way more difficult on, on the Lions than they made it on the Bears to score. 2.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Got a ton of text that I want to get to. We'll do that when we come back as we close out hour number one of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, will join us at the top of the hour to talk all things NFL trades as the trade deadline is six days away. Coming up on Tuesday, October 31st. What would you like to see from the Raiders on Monday Night Football? What are you looking for from this team moving forward from the 702 on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r The defense was not what we've been seeing in Chicago. But what did they really give up, 14 points? The offense gave up the rest via pick six in a short field. If we can't get better quarterback play, it's going to take the 2,000 Ravens defense for us to compete going forward. And where you're right with that as far as, you know, you got to get better quarterback play. The offense has got to complement them. And the defense didn't give up all 30 points. I get that. But the defense did give up 173 yards on the ground. The defense did allow a, a Division two quarterback to get comfortable. That quarterback never sweated. He got sacked once. Right, And he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't throw interception. He didn't do any of that. So what I'm saying is you've got to be resistant. You've got to be that, again, I'm looking for them to be the leaders of the team. Make life difficult. Now, if the offense can't compliment them and the defense is out there doing their thing, I'll tip the cap and say, hey, you know what? Y'all did your thing. The offense just didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. But missed tackles, I don't care where you're at on the field. That's on, that's on the defense. They had, what, 13 of them? Marcus Peters was credited with four from Pro Football Focus, and we'll ask Brad Spielberger about that in just a few minutes. That's what I'm talking about. It's not necessarily what they gave up because they were in a bad position. They were on the field a lot. 
But all those, man, all those yards, and they had the first possession. They had the first possession where they got off the field pretty quickly, right, the three and out or whatever, or maybe four plays, whatever. They got off quick, and then they just weren't able to do anything uh, moving forward. That's what I'm talking about. Um, let's see. This one's from the 925. It's an early 2000 offense. Josh McDaniels will always be his scheme over the athlete player. Uh, okay. This one's from Raider Dill. All I want to see is this team compete. If we lose 24 to 27, but the team looked good and they and acted like they wanted to win, I can live with that. That's Raider Dill. One more text, and then we'll go out to the phone lines. Mailman Raider said, Q, I want to see McDaniels actually call a game like an offensive guru is supposed to do. I think the Pat Graham scapegoat ship has sailed, so McDaniels needs to show something as far as a play caller, because if he can't, then he is a scapegoat himself. That's from Mail Mountain Raider talking about what he wants to see from the Raiders moving forward. What about Greg in Sacramento? What does he want to see at the 916? Greg, what's on your mind? Hey, Q, my brother. Thank you for taking my call, brother. Yes, sir. Just sitting here in the cave watching that uh, All-22. It's a, it's a <laughs> film, like my boy already said, but – um, I just want to see these guys, like 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 the guy just said on the text line, I just want to see the offensive guru mind. You know, I, every week we're watching, you know, the Miamis, the Kansas Cities. I mean, as an offensive coordinator, it should be fun the way you could dial up, especially when you got all that talent. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I mean, even watching right now, watching the All-22 again and just seeing the plays, it's just basically line up, you know, Two people going out, two people running straight up. Line up, one person running the slant, going across. The, but it's just, it's so predictable. Right. You know, and, and that's, I just want to see some unpredictability. I want to watch the game and, and feel wow, like, oh, man, that was, a, that was a good play. Like when I watch these other teams, and the crazy part about it, Q, when we watch these other teams that are doing it, they have way less talent. Right. And that's, that's the part that kills me is, when I look out here, these individual guys, um, and, and seeing, and the offensive line didn't play that bad. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm watching the game. It's just, it's too predictable. And so I think the one thing that I just want to see, uh, just like the text said, uh, I just want to see some unpredictability. Show something that I have us wowed. I mean, you have, I mean, Josh McDaniels, and, and they have nothing to lose right now. Right. Like, there's no reason to save. You know, sometimes coaches want to save the trick plays for later, maybe in the playoffs. Every game has to be like the playoffs. So I just want to see them dial it up like at the playoffs every game going forward. Thank you, Q. Have a great day, brother. Hey, I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Let's hustle up real quick and talk to Shields up. We'll get one more call in before we get uh, before we get out of the get to the top of the hour. Shields up, what's on your mind? Q, how you doing, man? Good, good, good. How are you? All right, so we're focusing on the defense, right? I was. I was, but you don't have to okay, be. Okay, good, good. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with you on that. Okay, the first thing they need to do is take a long, hard look in the mirror. And, and and realize that um, um, our defensive coordinator, Graham, took the hit for them. He didn't have to. Mm-hmm. But that pressure, you know, everybody was knowing the truth. But he took a hit for them. And I hope he went in those meetings and, and, and told them what the deal is and took some leadership. Now, that's one thing I have to say is, is about the character issue of the defense. Secondly, I think we have to increase the snaps of Tyree Wilson. He's at 40%, I believe, they said earlier. I think he'll if you increase him, he'll make uh, he'll make some more plays and get in there and make some sacks because Isaiah Rochelle is not the answer. Like that gentleman said, he watched the all twenty two and so did I. Uh, they just blocked him out and turned the corner. He was pushed off the play. Malcolm Kuntz is not too good, not too good against the run. And also, lastly, my last point is if the defense can get three and outs and 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 stop their offense quick. Get field position, get the ball at 50-yard line, 
and maybe we can get down win field position and get and get some scores. But we, I think we have to stop that offense right away, take the crowd out. And our offense yeah. needs good field position. Thank you for taking my call, man. Shields up. Let's go. Hey, great stuff. And, yeah, I think you hit it on the head right there at the end, man, especially you got to take that crowd out. That crowd has been traveling well this year. Uh, they're fired up. They're excited about their team. They're coming off a bad loss to a really good team. And it's Monday Night Football. The whole world's going to be watching. They're going to be lathered up. They're going to be ready to rock and roll. So you've got to take that crowd out of the game early. You're absolutely right about that. And, you know, I would love to see that defense, like you mentioned, take a look in the mirror, realize that Patrick Graham did take a hit for him, and go out there and reward him for doing that. 2.55 is the time. Brad Spielberg of Pro Football Focus will join the show next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.